take the time to invite your friends, those who are unchurched. I don't want you, we're not trying to build a church from people who attend other churches. You do know that, right? Yeah, that doesn't really work so well, you know. Try to get some people who don't go to church, who are unchurched, de-churched, I think they call it now, you know. Um, invite them to this series. I think they're going to really find it to be informative, inspirational, and really help them. How many just love God? Could I see your hand? Or maybe you just hoop and holler a little bit. Anybody love God here in the room? Ah, I hope you love God. I hope you love God enough that you tell other people about God. How many will do your best to just tell other people about God? So, what do you tell them? When you talk about God, how wonderful he is. Well, he is wonderful. All right. Anybody else want to just jump in? I wasn't really looking for an answer, but I like that she answered that. Faithful, okay. He tell what he's what he's done in your life, good. Patient. Happy. Oh, I like that, Joe. What do you when you're telling about God, what do you what what do you do? What do you what was it? His ability to save. You better watch yourself. You might end up being a preacher. You feel that right there? Ha <laughs> ha. Talking about God, forgiving. Okay, so we're really talking about a lot of attributes. Have you ever tried to describe God and what he looks like? I don't know what image you have in your mind, if you even have an image when we talk about God the Father. You probably have an image of possibly God the Son. You don't care about down to here, right? Isn't that how it goes? Anyway, I won't even go into all of that. I won't chase that rabbit down. Who is God? Well, God is God. How do we describe him? We usually describe his attributes. We describe what he has done. God is God, and he is not man. Now, Jesus, when he came, he was all God, and he was all man. Don't, don't strain a muscle on that one. How does that happen? Well, that's one of those questions you save for, for later, right? Save that one for heaven. We used to sing a song, we'll understand it better when? By and by. I don't know how he could be all man and all God, but I believe he was. We're all man, and God is all God. But the Bible actually uses human features and human body parts in describing God. It starts from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You need not turn there. I'm going to have an actual text for you in a moment. This is just setting it up. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, period. And that's exactly what he did. We see that in verse number 27 of Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Today, I want to launch a brand new series that I've entitled The Anatomy of God. I've actually been thinking about this and scribbling down notes for about three years in preparation of this series. That's why I want you to invite your friends and, and people who aren't really in church. This has been brewing and marinating for about three years. The anatomy of God, and over the next several weeks, we're going to study the various body parts in Scripture that describe God. And as we, as we study the anatomy of God, I'm hoping that we leave seeing Him more clearly. I'm hoping that we notice attributes perhaps that we've previously missed or overlooked. Maybe we'll understand who God is a little bit better. Hopefully we will just know God better. And we start with the heart of God. I wonder if you could just take a few notes this morning. As we look to the heart of God. Now, if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. When he had removed him, speaking of King Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Wow. Who will do my will? Now, this was said of David after Saul was rejected for disobedience and he offered an unlawful sacrifice to the Lord. We see that in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14. Now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over all his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow. To begin this series, we need to examine the most critical part of the body, the heart. I say the most critical part of the body because the body can't function without a heart beating. The body can function without eyes. We see blind people living a very full life, but yet they have no vision. The body functions perfectly well. The body can function without ears. The deaf community lives a full and healthy life. They just don't have hearing. The body can function without limbs. My good friend, Dave Wigington, who was just here a few weeks ago, lost his arm grinding hamburger. He was 16 years old, and he thought he didn't have to use the, the tool that pushes the meat into the grinder. He was feeding the meat in with his hand, and it took hold of him, and it ground his arm like hamburger meat all the way up to his elbow. Dave Wigington is a testimony today that you can live without a limb. Your body can function properly and well without limbs. 
The body can function with one lung, with one kidney. The body can function without a gallbladder, without a spleen, without an appendix. Do you know that the body can even function if the brain is not working? They call it brain dead. Many family members really struggle if their loved one is on what they call life support. They have machines to keep the lungs moving. The heart is still beating, but the brain is not there. But if the heart is not beating, the whole life, the whole body is dead. That's why I say the heart is the most critical. The heart is the life source for the entire body. The heart pumps life to every other body part. Think about it. So what is in the heart of God? I believe the heart of God is beautifully seen in the heart of the prodigal son's father. And so I now want to invite you to go to Luke chapter 15. If you would just turn over in your Bible for a few moments, a few minutes, I want us to extract from this great parable. And we're going to see just what is in the heart of God. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me, my inheritance. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine, famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread that here I perish here with hunger? I will arise, I'll go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him in the distance and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son who was dead is alive again. He that was lost is now found. And they began to celebrate. Hallelujah. 
Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and heard dancing, saw dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked, what is going on? What these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattest calf because he has received him back safe and sound. What a great, great parable. What a great story. And this story is a depiction. The prodigal father is a depiction of the heavenly father. The prodigal father is a type of God the father. So what then is in the heart of God? Number one, first of all, the heart of God is full of compassion. We see this in verse number 20 of Luke 15. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And look at this. He felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced his son and he kissed him. I told the first service this. I, I think it bears repeating. I told Elliot several years ago, I don't care how old you get, I'm always going to be your daddy, and I want you to kiss me. Now, he'll just give me a little peck on the cheek. It's, it's appropriate, okay? But he's my boy. He's my son. And every time he sees me, he'll give me a kiss. He definitely is going to kiss his mother. There's no doubt about that. So I just think this is a good example of a dad and his son having a moment. I, I just love that. prodigal son father his his father what does he what does he see what does he do first thing that comes forth from his heart compassion not anger not judgment i mean he had every reason to be angry and i don't know how many dads in the room or mothers in the room for that matter would have reacted the way the prodigal son's father acted i mean i love my son and I'm going to do all that I can to help my son. But when he's a knucklehead, he's a knucklehead. And I, you know, I have this saying, if, if you need it, I'm going to give you the size 10. I wear a size 10 on the backside. And I've done it to more than one person. One, you know, people that I'm mentoring and discipling. Sometimes they need a good kick on the backside. I don't know that I would have, that would have been my first reaction, Pastor Dave. I probably would have been mad. I probably would have, I'd let him have it. Not this dad, not this father. He felt compassion. Reminds me of what Jesus saw and what Jesus felt. See, Matthew 9.36 tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They're like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. See, that's what we have to see, church. We got to see the harassment that's going on in people. We got to see just how helpless some folk are. There's some people, they're just completely helpless. They've been harassed, they've been hurt. Hmm. We have to have compassion. The heart of the father is compassionate. He had compassion for the masses. 
Jesus looks over the crowd, the masses, the multitude of people, and his heart was beating with compassion. He had compassion for the masses, which starts, by the way, with compassion just for one. He had compassion for all the people, but that starts with compassion for one person. I want you to imagine just one person right now, just one person that you have interaction with on a consistent basis, maybe daily, definitely, weekly. One person that you could possibly extend compassion towards. I'm not asking you to have compassion for the whole world right now, not yet. I wonder if you could just have compassion for one person. And not, not an easy person, okay? How about somebody difficult in your life? Oh, wait a minute. We don't have any difficult people in our lives here, do we? That's the other church down the road. It's hard sometimes. Eric, I want you to hear this from me. It's hard sometimes. I'm so glad you came here and you've got your heart poured out and now it's ready to be filled again not always going to be easy, buddy. It's hard to be compassionate towards certain people. Could you just imagine one person? One person. See, God's heart is full of compassion, right? The heart of God, here we go, number one, the heart of God is full of compassion. Just beating, compassion, compassion. I, I call this to the altar because I wanted us to empty out. We've just got some stuff in us. You're in the world and you're rubbing up against people, bumping up against people, right? Just that influence, I mean. You'd be surprised how it affects you and how it shapes you. We've got to come in here and just empty ourselves. His heart, Debbie, full of compassion. Just But then guess what? He wants to pour that into our heart. You're just the bucket, buddy. A bucket that God wants to fill. So you're just full of his blessing. So you can just take that and pour it out on people. You're a bucket. Mm. Wallace, you're just like a basket. And you're holding the bread of life. Hungry folk. He's looking for a vessel, a heart that he can pour his heart into. Give me your heart, Lord. You know, Pastor Moses and Jamie wrote that song. What are we going to do without you? I know God is in this, but what are we going to do without you? <laughs> what a perfect song for today. Give me your heart, Lord. You might have wrote that for this message. You wrote it a little while ago, but you might have wrote it for this message. I mean, he wants his heart in our heart. So then we're a bucket, we're a basket. Now, the container doesn't matter. I don't know if you've got a bow on you or not. Probably not. Maybe your wife does, right? That doesn't even matter. The basket doesn't matter. The bucket doesn't matter. You're carrying living water, splashing that on people. You're carrying the bread of life to hungry people. That's what matters. 
It's what's in the vessel. What's in the vessel? What's in your heart? Is there compassion in your heart? When was the last time you felt compassion for someone? When's the last time God just broke you? Maybe it's just a few minutes ago. I haven't been broken like I was up here today for a long time. It feels all right. Actually, it's good to be broken. God needs to break us. Just snot all over the place. Who cares? Right? Pour it all out. What's in the heart of God? And know this. It's full of compassion. Now, God, we ask you to fill us now with compassion. Come on and just ask God to fill you with compassion. Give me your heart, Lord. That heartbeat of compassion that we see in the the father of the prodigal, that we see in, in Jesus, give me that. What's in the heart of God? Well, the heart of God is full of compassion. The heart of God is also full of forgiveness. The son finally comes to his senses. He realizes the errors of his way. And he plans to hopefully become like one of the servants. He says in verse 18, I know. I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say this to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So if you would just treat me like one of your hired servants, that'd be good enough. He was guilty. He deserved to be punished. The father would have had every right to judge him and say, dude, you're on your own. I already already divvied out your money. I can't help it that you spent it all. Try to tell you how to live. But you're a knucklehead. I mean, the father could have responded in any variety of ways and maybe been justified in and how he responded. Reminds me of the woman that was taught, caught in adultery that we see in John chapter 8. Hmm. I mean, caught. Red-handed caught. So the Pharisees, they drag her out of the house, throw her into the courtyard, maybe thinking, I think we got him now, boys. See, they're always trying to get Jesus, right? I think we might have him now. Here's a woman absolutely caught red-handed. She's in bed, and they're not married. It's adultery. So they say, teacher, the law says that somebody like this is to be stoned. What do you say? I think we got him. And I love Jesus' response. He just gets down and writes something in the ground. He says, well, whoever's without sin, you lead out. 
you throw the first stone. probably hear the stones dropping in the background one by one nobody was perfect nobody was without sin who could start who could lead out no one finally she looks up and where where is where's everybody that's accusing me they're gone they're gone and Jesus said I don't condemn you either I forgive you and then he said but don't do this anymore, right? You're forgiven, but go and sin no more. Don't keep sinning. By the way, if you think that I know God is going to forgive me if I ask him to, so I'm going to go ahead and act out the way I want, and I'm going to do something inappropriate, you don't understand grace at all. Grace isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace isn't some free pass that we can live however we want on Saturday night because we know we're going to come to church on Sunday morning and ask God to forgive us. Grace is the ability given by God to actually live a life that pleases God and honors God. Grace is the ability to live right, to live holy. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Forgiveness came forth. Jesus forgave this woman even though she was guilty. The prodigal father, he surprised his son that day, didn't he? Instead of punishing him, instead of judging him, he forgave him. Forgiveness is merciful. Forgiveness is merciful. The father didn't make his son a servant after all. He mercifully repositioned him as a rightful heir again. Wow. That's some mercy. But you see, forgiveness is a decision, isn't it? We can decide to forgive. We can decide to extend mercy. Let me encourage you. Get in the habit of extending mercy. Err on the side of mercy. You're like, well, wait a minute. It's so obvious that they have done wrong. Maybe so. But get in the habit of extending mercy. We're not winking at or, or turning away from sin, but we're we're practicing mercy. I say this because you're going to need mercy to come back at you probably pretty quick. So get in the habit of offering mercy. You know, sowing and reaping is sowing and reaping. I mean, it's just the law. Trust me when I tell you this prodigal had lots of reaping still in his future. You can just get, count on it. We don't get to see all of that. Jesus is telling a story. He's telling a parable. But if it were a whole book, let me promise you, there would have been plenty of sowing that happened for the son because of what he reaped, or what, plenty of reaping because of what he sowed. Got to get my sowing and reaping right, right there. Be merciful. If they've, if they've sown bad seed, they're going to reap bad. 
just because forgiveness comes does not negate the sowing and reaping process. And that's just God's business. Extend mercy. Forgiveness is merciful. Forgiveness is kind. Kindness goes a long, long way. You'd be surprised how far kindness will go. The father acted kindly towards his rebellious son. Hallelujah. He threw a party. He put cool in the gang on and they celebrated. Woo! The son comes up. He says, what's going on? And the servant says, there's a party going on right here. A celebration. To oh, never mind. <laughs> They're celebrating, they're partying. He saw them dancing. What in the world's going on? And the father says, go and get a robe. Go and get a ring. Go and get shoes on his feet. And that cow that we've been fattening for the right day and for the right moment, it's now. Kill it. We're going to feast today because the son that I thought was dead is not dead after all. He is alive. Hallelujah. He extended kindness. Forgiveness is kind. You can't just say you forgive. I don't buy it. Not if your actions are saying something else. Your actions are screaming one thing and your words are whispering one thing. You don't want to hear that, but I'm going to say it anyway. I actually had a conversation with the Lord about this very portion of the sermon. Here I am at forgiveness again, Pastor Dave. I, I've hit this so hard the last several weeks, a little bit before Easter. We've already talked about forgiveness. I felt like I need to give it a break, not talk about forgiveness. And God said, they need to hear this again. Forgiveness. It's in the heart of God. Come on and lift your hands and say, God, give me your heart heart to forgive. It's not always going to be easy. In fact, most times it won't be easy. Give me forgiveness. Help me, God, to forgive. There's where the grace comes in. Grace from God to forgive when somebody has clearly done you wrong. He's a rebellious, well, knucklehead. That's what I keep calling him. Father forgave him. Wow. What's in the heart of God? Let me close with the heart of God. It's full of compassion. It's full of forgiveness. It's full of love. You see, compassion and forgiveness actually flow from a heart of love. Why did the father have compassion? How could the father forgive his rebellious son? Where did the mercy and the kindness come from? It was all possible because the main part of the heart of God, it beats with love. We see it in the heart of God the Father. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Do you see that heart? hear that heart, go ahead and roll that heartbeat. I want you to hear the heart of God. God loves the world. So what's in the heart of God? It's beating with love for all mankind. 
God loves the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's recite this scripture together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see the heartbeat of God in God the Son. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. This is the heart of God. Beating us. Beating with compassion. Beating with forgiveness. Beating with love. The heart of God is the most critical part of God's anatomy, I believe. And the most important aspect in the heart of God is love. Poured out, poured out of God. And if we don't have love, we don't have anything. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want you to stand. Somebody's looking for mom. She's over here, Dino. We've asked God to fill our hearts with compassion. We've asked God to fill our hearts with forgiveness. Now we're going to ask God to fill our hearts with love. Come on, lift your hands as high as you can get them and ask him right now. Say, God, give me your love. Give me your heart. Timo's going to lead this song. What a great, great song. Jamie, come up. Maybe give me some singers up here real quick. We're going to ask God just to fill our hearts and give us his heart. The most important thing we need is his love. We have to have the love of God. Nothing else will matter. We're just charitable if not. We must have God's love. It's unlike anything else. God's love changes everything. Changes everything. Mm. Give me your heart, Lord. Yes, God. This is what I pray. Give me your heart, Lord. Compassion. The passion that you gave. See the world through your eyes. Show me.
Father, we thank you, God, for this message today. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the picture that was painted today of your heart, Lord God, and what your heart beats for, Lord God. Father, we pray, God, that you would give us your heart today. Father, help us to see with your eyes, God. Help us to hear with your ears, God, to feel, Lord God, with your heart, we pray. Lord God, that it would not be about us and what we desire to do in building our kingdom, God, but that our desire, that our heart would beat, Lord God, to build your kingdom. Lord God, and reach those that are in need. Father, we thank you today. I pray that we would live this out. We ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed.